Lord, we approach the hearing of your word, the revelation of your word. We need it explained because we cannot know you or your will without it. So God, I'm earnestly begging you for power. Anoint me, Father. Gather my, gather fragments of my strength and breathe upon me now. Use me, Father, as an instrument of your hand. I'm not much, God, but I'm available. Then we all pray, oh God, for listening ears, receptive hearts, and ultimately responsive lives. Holy Spirit, have your way. We surrender in both the preaching, hearing, and ultimately the living out of your word. God, do something good for somebody who's hurting today, who's confused, and who's struggling today. Speak peace to some storm on today. The wonderful name of your Son and our Savior, we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We have started a series last week called Storm Forged Faith. Last week we lifted up our text and we'll be lifting this text for the next four weeks or for the next two weeks for a total of four weeks. Mark the fourth chapter, the 35th verse verses 35 through 41. Last week we lifted up verses, verse 35 and we said that we can't stay here. That in order to get where God will have us to go, we've got to move from here to there. Amen. This week we'll be lifting up verse 36. I'll read the text in its totality and it reads like this. Mark 4, 35. On that day when evening had come, he said to them, Jesus said, let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat, just as he was, and other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat, so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on a cushion. And they woke him and said to him, teacher, do you not care? that we are perishing. And when he awoke and rebuked the storm, he said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said one to another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? Today we'll lift up in particular verse 36 that reads again, and leaving the crowd, they took with them in the boat just as he was, and other boats were with him. I want you to help somebody out this morning and tell them, neighbor, 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 you are in the ministry, you are in the ministry of making it, of making it. That's what we're going to talk about this morning, the ministry of making it. The instruction is singular, one boat, one collection of disciples, one purpose for those who are gathered with Jesus on the boat that Jesus is on, let us go across to the other side. The intent is after a full day and in fact a full season of public ministry, Jesus is intending to get away with his disciples and to spend some time in rest and resting. Because you cannot constantly pour out without ever having to step back to regroup yourself. So in the intent, so the intent is for Jesus and those on his boat to go 
break y'all. And, and while they're going, a storm comes out of nowhere. I told you last week that this was just the nature of the environment, that the warm air or the air over the lake or sea of contacted with the cool air that shot from the mountains and it created an environment where storms could be sudden, but they should not have been surprising. And they get out of the storm. Jesus steps up, says, peace be still, and everything lays back down. But I'm interested to know why there is this insertion, this seemingly unnecessary, extraneous piece of information that with Jesus and the disciples on that boat, there are other boats. And if you're reading in the King James Version or the New King James Version, there's a description and it's saying, more descriptive, and it says, other little boats. Who's on these boats? Here, here is my well-researched and deep answer. I looked all night. I looked everywhere. And here's the deep answer for the saints. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Were, were these other fishermen? Were these persons who were in the ministry crowd that had just come, perhaps, and someone, some other folk, had boats and other people had heard Jesus and probably were just trying to follow Jesus wherever Jesus was without fully understanding Jesus' full intent and purpose and certainly not his full identity? We don't know who they are or, or where they come from or where they're going. And we don't know what happens to them once they get to the other side. But here's what we do know. That when the storm hit Peter and them's boat, they were in the storm too. I, I mean, it means then that my stewardship of the storm affects more than my singularship. Jesus' boat. But I was sailing 
the direction of someone who had Jesus on their boat. Thank God for the times when I was being stupid and foolish. Thank God when I was out in the street acting crazy and, and when I didn't have sense enough to watch my own back or to protect myself or to take care of myself. Somebody had Jesus on their boat and they called on Jesus on my behalf. Because sometimes you make it and you can't fathom how in the world you make it. Have you ever gotten out of something that you you wanted to show how you got yourself out of? That somehow you were in a storm thinking you were going to drown, and somehow the rain seemed to stop and the wind stopped blowing and the waves stopped crashing, and you don't even know how it happened. Can I tell you? That's what happened here in the text. That somebody with Jesus on their boat was interceding for you when you were struggling on your boat and you were on the other boat. God used them. You the safety. Is there anybody here that can testify that some things you know you didn't work out on your own, that there was somebody else who called on the name of Jesus for you, a mama, a grandmama, a auntie, a big mom, a father, who called your name out before the Lord, who wrote their name or your name in their Bible and said, Lord, my child is foolish. They're out there acting crazy. They're probably drunk again. They're probably high right now, and they are in a mess. They might get locked up, but Jesus, if you would steal the storm. I thank God. Come on, you want to be real. You haven't always had Jesus on your boat. But then there are those of us who now have Jesus on our boat. When and if you get Jesus on your boat, you are now in the ministry of making it. You're just not surviving to survive, but, but there are other ships in the storm with you. They are co-sufferers, but, but if you manage the storm properly, they can be co-survivors. I'm saying that if you have to make it because other people, you have to make it because other people are depending upon you to make it. So there are a few things I want you to know right out of this verse. First of all, when you're in the ministry of making it, you've got to be able to discern crowds. When you're in the ministry of making it, you've got to be able to discern crowds. It's in the text. Here it is, verse 36 says, leaving the crowd, they took him, that's Jesus, with them, just as he was, and other boats were with him. Watch it, because in the text there are two different crowds. There's a crowd to leave and a crowd to lead. Mm. Now, the leave crowd is not necessarily a bad crowd. They, they may not be bad inherently, but you have to understand the timing of your life with the leave crowd. They're not a bad crowd, but they're a crowd whose time in your life has expired. And let this be a word of caution to you, Brother Joy. Be careful not to let people who are still on the shore stop your progress on the sea because sometimes it's your carnal sense of loyalty that's preventing your obedience to the call of God on your life. Folks, you just won't leave because you've been with them so long and you think you've got to be with them always. And listen, these are people that Jesus taught. People that Jesus 
love. But when it came time to go across the sea, Jesus said, it's time for us to leave certain people because there's other purpose and destiny on the other side that doesn't have anything to do with the people on this side. Y'all might not like me here because you think that everybody who's always been in your life has always got to be in your life. But Jesus says, following me means that you've got to discern the difference between the crowd you've got to leave and the crowd you've got to leave. It's the difference then between the people you've been called to for a season and the people you're in covenant with for a lifetime. You ready? You ready for this truth right here? Are you ready for me? Because see, y'all don't really want a real preacher for real. Y'all don't want a real pastor because some of y'all can't handle the truth. But, but if you're ready for the truth, here is the difference between the leave crowd and the lead crowd. Are you ready? The lead crowd will have their own boat. <laughs>
that we can't go together. If you are not equipped to handle the seeds of life, I can't hang out with you on the dry, dusty shore when the Lord is calling me into the fluid flow of destiny on the sea. So, leaving the crowd, what other boats are with them? That's the lead crowd. The second thing about being in the ministry of making it is this. You have to discover the responsibility of relationship. Discover the responsibility of relationship. Because relationship, from a spiritual point of view, is not a privilege, it's a ministry. It's an assignment and not a blessing. And I want to talk to the single folk this morning that say, I want to be married and, and I want God to send me somebody to marry. And you posting all on social media about what a good man would be and your wife. Let me help you right here because marriage is not a blessing. Marriage is an assignment. And the married folks said, Amen. Like a blessing. 
early like some folk. I got to look up like some folk. <laughs>
nakedness. It means I can't get pretty. I can't get cute. I can't pull myself together. I can't get my ducks in a row. When I know who I'm assigned to, I learn to relate to them in their raw, unrefined state. It's the difference between whole grain bread and white wonder bread. It's the difference between a whole grain relationship and a white bread relationship. White bread, wonder bread, doesn't have any meat in it. It's not healthy. It's empty calories because it's so processed. It's It's been through so much change from its original state that it loses the vitamins and its nutrition and it can be filling, but it is not good for you. Some of y'all who have never had a real relationship because you have required everyone to process the true nature of who they are into something that you can swallow rather than something that you need. I'm saying that Jesus shows us what it looks like to be in real relationship because he says, if you want relationship with me, you've got to take me as Jesus the person and as Jesus the God just as I am. I ain't gonna do some stuff. I'm gonna do some stuff that you don't like and I'm not gonna do some stuff that you want me to. Sometimes I'm gonna tell you that let's go get in the boat and let's go across to the other side and I'm gonna lead you directly into a storm you don't wanna be in. Sometimes you're gonna ask me to heal your body and I'm gonna let you stay sick for a while longer. Sometimes you're gonna ask me to pay your bills and I'm gonna let the cutoff notices show up. Sometimes you're gonna ask me to save your mama from cancer and I'm gonna call her home before you want me to. But if you're gonna be in a relationship with the God of the universe, you've got to take me just as I am. Job said it this way, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And I believe there's two or three people here today that have been wondering why God hasn't done what you want him to do. And it's because God has no interest in doing what you want done. God is only interested in working his will and his purpose and his plan for your life. And sometimes your will is in direct opposition with his will. Because you got to learn. You gotta learn how to stay in the wheat of his will so that you can get spiritual nutrition. Yeah. That's the stuff that's gonna build you up. The stuff that's gonna make you strong. Because the stuff that's gonna give you the ability to stand and to hold on and to be powerful is in the stuff that's unrefined. You gotta take God as God is. Talk. He can do what he wants to do when he wants to and how he wants to because he's sovereign he's mysterious and unexplainable and unexplained and in fact if God was to tell you everything he was getting ready to do in your life your head would explode because you couldn't handle it anyway you got to take him just as he is
unconditional acceptance. And if you can learn how to take God as God is, it means that then you can learn how to take, we can learn how to take you as you are when I'm in the ministry of making it. When I learn how to take God as God is, then you can learn how to take other people as they are because you're in the ministry of making it. Because the goodness of God and the badness of people are both nutritious elements that develop faith and trust and love in us that we've got to learn how to take folk just as they are. And, and I'm convinced, I'm convinced that God wants a white bread church or a wheat bread church. And I, I'm convinced and I'm praying for a church where people will stop showing up looking like white bread, where, where you are gone all week and you've had a rough week, but yet you come in with that fake smile, plastered on your face like everything is good and you're acting spiritual when the truth is you've been struggling and fighting your flesh just like the rest of us. I want us to be able to come into the house and say, I didn't have a good week and I don't feel like saying amen and I had to drag myself in this morning and this is the whole week of who and where I am and love me right here in the house. And if we can learn how to accept each other as we are, we can be, God can be glorified and we can get better. I learned how to take God as God is and, and you as you are because on Calvary, Jesus took me as I was. And now I understand what Reverend was saying when she said, I heard the voice of Jesus say, come on to me and rest my down, that weary one lie down thy head upon my breast. I understand it now when she said, I came to Jesus just as I was. I was broken, but I came. Flawed, but I came. Jacked up, but I came. Cussing, but I came. Sleeping with folk I wasn't married to, but I came. Drunk, but I came. Getting high, but I came. Lying, but I came. Pressing hard. 